Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And, of course, you can always put a 225 in front of that and reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That is correct. And we will be giving away the free Agco t-shirt for the farthest distance caller this morning. Right. And... I think Lewis is feeling a little generous this morning. You might even get the new T-shirt. Get the new retro T-shirt. There you go. That's kind of a contradiction term, new retro. Yeah, well, there's also there's a lot of contradictions <laughs> in terms floating around these days. That's right. Hey, you, just in case you don't want to call in or something occurred to you during the week after we're not on the air. Or maybe even next week when we're not going to be on the air. That's right, because we're going to be here all today. day today. Well, we'll all day be, till 11. That's right. <laughs> and we'll actually be off the air for the next two weeks. We'll have a recorded show for you. Uh-huh. That should be really interesting. Both weeks. That's right. And should you need a question answered in that time period, you can go to our website and get your questions answered that way. It is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company, get you to our site, and there are there's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, even next week when we're on vacation. That's right. I always travel with my laptops. So can't say that I'm going to drop everything and do it while I'm out laying on the beach, but that afternoon, maybe I'll pop. Within 24 hours, you will definitely there you go. back. Yeah, cut me a little <laughs> bit of slack. <laughs> I'm on vacation after all, but while you're on there, pop around, see what you think. Lots and lots of good information. Of course, we have the regular vehicle questions, which is a short, to-the-point answer to a specific question. And you can also go to our detailed topics one went on this morning on diagnosing misfires, and it's sort of a follow-up to last week. Uh-huh. Last week was a general misfire topic, I guess I should say, where when you have a undefined code and it's missing, say, randomly on all the cylinders, that requires a certain procedure. Correct. But there's also a specific cylinder misfire on OBD2, like a PO307. It's okay. a misfire on cylinder 7. Now, a lot of folks are really, really confused by that. I've had folks say, well, I had a P0302 code, so I changed the fuel filter. Well, no, 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 because the fuel filter affects all cylinders equally. Right. It's not going to be a fuel pump. Which it's, is going to be a general 300, PO300. Right, right or PO316 is a generic general misfire. Correct. But when you can identify it to a specific cylinder, it requires an entire different diagnostic procedure. And a lot of folks don't realize that. Well, that's what this article goes into, how to actually diagnose those type codes without spending a lot of money on stuff you don't need. Correct. And it gives you a procedure called the substitution method where you can actually test components without having a factory scan tool and a digital lab scope and $10,000 worth of other equipment like you use in a shop of course it's much easier if you have all that stuff but sure a do-it-yourselfer can do a pretty fair job of testing these sort of things and that article just goes in depth tells you how to do that so you might want to look at that and see what you think lots and lots of other good information on there as well you might go in and register which will give you access to our show uh-huh. we have a one year of our shows archived on there that you can download and listen to whenever you like great or of course you can always go to itunes or stitcher or any of those and do the same thing depending on what you want to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But tons and tons of good information. Pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. One other option for folks who just maybe you're shy about being on the air. Right. You can call the producer and just give her your question, and she can type it on the screen, and that way we can answer it for you, and you'll get your answer, and you don't have to actually come on the radio if you don't care to. Sounds great. That's right. I had a guy says, "Man, I just I'm just shy to go on radio." Yeah, <laughs> I said, yeah. "Oh, call a producer, tell her what it is you want. She'll key it into this little 
board. It'll pop up, and we'll answer it for you just the same. I like that idea. There you go. Just Good idea. Something new. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go to our phone lines with Mitch. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Good How morning. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. sir. Uh, I've got a question. I was hearing a noise from up front, and it's a grinding noise. And I know I have to have the brakes changed, but I also have a roaring noise, which I thought was a bearing. Uh-huh. Jacked it up and wiggled the wheel, and it wouldn't move. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. How else can you tell wheel, wheel bearings gone bad? Mitch, that's kind of difficult, and kind of hit on a good topic that I'd like to just make a slight mention of. One way that a wheel bearing fails is that it gets slack in it. But that's only one way. The lack of slack doesn't necessarily mean it's not bad. Just like you may go to the doctor, he takes your temperature, but the lack of a temperature doesn't mean you're not sick. You right. know, you could have lung cancer and not have a fever. So the lack of one symptom does not necessarily mean it's good. The way that we find that, Mitch, is we have a device with a series of microphones that we can clamp under the car, and we have a rotary switch and a pair of headphones where we can switch and listen to the different parts of the car. We also have an ultrasound-type device where we can put it up, spin the wheel, and listen to sounds that your ear can't pick up. To isolate it yourself without any type of equipment, what you may try, cut the wheel sharply one way and then the other way and see if it changes the pitch of the noise. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, well, okay. it's going to be one of the front wheel bearings. Now, what kind of car is it, Mitch? Uh, Dodge Dakota. Okay, fortunately, on a Dodge Dakota, both front wheel bearings are the same. Okay, and there's the right one and the left one are the same bearing. So what you could do is just take your best guess. You, I think it's the left one. Replace the left one. If the noise is still there, then it was the right one. Well, then take the bearing you took off left, put it on the right, and you end up with exactly the same thing. Now just okay. You got the problem fixed. You had to spend any more money. You just spent a little bit more time. Just be careful when you take the bearing off. It has a speed sensor in the bearing, and it has a bolt that holds it to the bearing. But follow mm-hmm. the wire up, and the wire is going to have a plug in it. Unplug the wire at the body. Do not unplug. Do not take the speed sensor out of the bearing. Okay. Because a quality bearing is going to come with a new speed sensor, wiring, and everything. You're going to save yourself a step. Okay. Now, when I cut it to the left... Mm-hmm. The noise goes away. When I cut it to the right... Yeah, but that's not right. dependable, uh, Mitch, because, see, it can be an inner bearing or an outer bearing. Correct. And it's going to act differently depending on if it's inner or outer, so you can't tell which side it is by that. But like I said, they are the same right and left, so if you think it's the left one and you change the left one, the noise is still there, just take the one you took off and put it on the other side. Now, there is a possibility you have two bad bearings. That's a fact. Because they've both been down the same road. They've both got the same amount of miles on them. You may end up changing one that's screaming... And when you get done, the other one may be making a slight bit of noise yeah, also. you'll hear the same noise, just not quite as loud on the other side. Okay. That you couldn't hear before right. because this one's making so much noise. But like Brian said, they've both been down the same exact road. They've both turned the same number of times. So unless it's been like an impact to one wheel or one wheel got submerged in water or something like that, it's not unheard of that both bearings fail together. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks. Okay, All right, Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going to our phone line with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Yes, sir. I want to ask you about two different transmissions. I'll just hang up and let you all talk. CVT and a VRT. I guess think it's CVT, constant variable ratio, yes, something sir. like that. And then the other one, VRT. It seemed like I heard you all say one time it sounded like a dog sitting on a ham slicer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a VR, just, VRT is just another name. It's called a variable ratio transmission. It's just right. another acronym for basically the same thing. Do they Are they pretty, give pretty good service? Herb, I have not seen a great deal of problem out of them. I was real worried when they first came out. Way, way back, that transmission was actually developed in the 1950s by Ford 
introduced in Europe in the Fiesta, and it was a lot, a lot of trouble, and they dropped it for many, many years. But they've come out with enough new materials and lubricants. They seem to be holding up okay. Now, the only downside that I can see is that when they do inevitably break, it's pretty much a throw-it-away type deal and get another transmission. There's not a lot of fixing for them. Well, that terribly expensive? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, probably $3,000 range when you do inevitably have to fix it. But it's sort of the cars that are coming with them, pretty much when you get to that range, you're going to throw the car away anyway. I guess it's just the world we're living in. What they're trying to accomplish with this, Herb, you can optimize an engine for a very narrow range of RPM. In other words, it may be optimized at 1,200 RPMs for best gas mileage and best emissions. If it goes to 1,600, that drops off. If it goes to 1,000, that drops off. So to keep it within that narrow range, either you have to have a lot of gears in the transmission, which is extremely expensive, or a constantly variable transmission, which can constantly vary that ratio and keep it right in that range. And i got to say, if I had to choose between a 7, 8-speed transmission and a CVT, I'd take a CVT. Because the 7 and 8-speed transmissions are going to total your car anyway. They're 10 to 12 grand when they break. Mm -hmm. It's kind of foolish to me. Engineers are trying to maximize fuel mileage without looking at at maximum cost to the customer. And we're spending obscene amount of money, and we're totaling cars to try to get a half mile to the gallon, which is ridiculous. I'd rather go ahead and burn a half gallon, mile a gallon more gas and not have a $12,000 transmission go out in my car. But, you know, that's just me. I'm looking at it from the customer standpoint, not some bleak engineering standard. I had a daughter had a Saturn 04 Saturn, and it had that type, some type of a transmission in that total, that thing. Yes, sir, they will. Uh, and that's so much true of all the technology today. When any of it fails, you pretty much total the car. Okie doke. Well, I pre appreciate your answer. Okay, Thanks. man. Thanks, Herb. Bye bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end, this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakwool. <laughs> I, already saw the first I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is the Automotive Hour, and I'm your host, Louis Aldazan. I got Mr. Brian Carey, lead technician from Agco Automotive, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions that you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526, and that's uh, WJBO. That's right. 499-WJBO, just in yeah. case you want to go ahead and hunt them letters out and punch them in. I don't know, do the new telephones even have letters on them? Anymore? I don't know. I, I, I tell you the truth, I ain't even looked. I don't know. This one I'm looking at right here doesn't. <laughs> but give us a call, and we'll be glad to try to help you out and get you a little free advice just in case you don't want to call in. Of course, you can always go to our website. That's right. Get your questions answered that way. That's just hit right. the contact bar, send Lewis an email, and he'll get it back to you. Within 24 hours. 
If you hadn't gotten announced back within 24 hours, just feel free to send it again. Sometimes it may get lost or it may come in and have a bad return address, and I can't send it back to you. But I never, ever ignore an email. So if you hadn't got it back, don't think I'm rude and I'm just ignoring you. I right. I'm not. During the work week, you get it back pretty quick. But, you know, we're on vacation. you gotta got to cut us a little yeah, slack. Cut me a little slack, yeah. <laughs> But it'll get back to you within 24 hours. Generally, when I'm on vacation, what I will do is I will pick out a certain time. And, you know, in the afternoons after we get through doing vacation stuff, uh-huh. and getting ready for dinner. Generally, men get ready for dinner faster than women as a general rule. And same with me and Mrs. Alvin. <laughs> so while she's prepping and prettying up, I'll sit there and answer my emails. There you go. Give you uh, something to do. Give me a something to do instead of just sitting there waiting on her to get ready <laughs> and i gotta say overall she's pretty darn good about that oh yeah she's pretty fast at getting ready yep she puts it together pretty darn good hey we're going to the phone lines with terry good morning terry how you doing doing great sir good morning look uh my girlfriend has a car it's a 2006 uh nissan uh-huh. maxima okay and i'm noticing that uh she's burning a little more oil than normal mm-hmm. and uh she used to take a car to different places and i think they may have put Maybe the not the proper weight, and maybe it was going with it too light. Well, that would certainly make it make it worse, Terry. Too light or too heavy will make okay, it worse. Okay, and so I went to the the specifications. It was like ten W thirty, and I went to that and I monitored. Mm, I think I'm it's still, five. I think it's five W thirty on that one. Okay, there's five W thirty on that. Okay, but I but I'm still noticing, you know, that it that it's consuming maybe a quarter all every two weeks or something, uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, well. Uh, it, what options do I have to kind of address that kind of issue? Terry, I tell you what, I've got actually an article on that on my website. If you just type in something like oil consumption in the search okay. bar, it'll bring you to it. And it'll tell you lots and lots of reasons why that occurs. But one of the big things that I've noticed, if you change the brand of oil that you're using. Now, mm-hmm. let's say you're using old Castrol 5W30 and you go to Pennzoil 5W30. It may right. actually start using oil because... Okay. Where both of them are good products, the additive packages in them may be different, and they may not be compatible. So that is one of the leading things that I see. Now, there's lots of other things. You know, you could have some stuck rings in the car. You could have some valve guide seals that are bad. It could be a lot of things that can do it. But the very first thing you need to do, Terry, is to get back to ground zero, get some 5W30, and just pick one brand, put it in there, and stay with it, and see if it gets progressively better. And you you hit the nail on the head when you said she's been going different places to get her oil changed. Right. Every that's place every place carries a different brand that's, of oil. That's exactly right. Now, if she still has to go do that, pick a brand of oil and stay with it. You know, even if she's got to go to the store and buy it and bring it to them, say, put right. this in my car. Right. Right. I think what we've done, we've, we've moved to a mobile one synthetic Maybe dealing with a higher grade, you know, mm-hmm. something uh-huh. that, that may be, do you think that's the right approach? Well, yeah, it's not going to hurt anything. It's going to be kind of expensive for A lot depends, Terry, whether synthetic is going to benefit you. It depends on the way you operate the car. Mm-hmm. Do you know about how long is her average trip? I mean, when she starts the car and goes miles. Until 10 miles or more? Yeah. Yeah, almost any oil will give good service under those conditions. Now, where Mobile One really shines is people, let's say you're an elderly person and you don't put very many miles on your car at all. Let's say you crank it up in the morning, you go to the grocery stores two miles from your house, you shut it off. You come home, you shut it off, and it sits there all day. Maybe the next day you don't drive it at all. The next day you get in, you go to church, and it's two or three miles. That's the guy who really needs synthetic oil because he's making short, short trips, and that is horrible service on a car. Now, if you get in the car, you go 10 miles or plus, 
almost any all will give good service under those conditions. Now, one thing is that a lot of people fall for the old fallacy that if you put synthetic oil, you can go longer between changes. That is not the case. Synthetic oil is a much better detergent than regular oil. It is going to get dirtier than regular oil because it does a better job of cleaning. So if you go to synthetic oil to go out and stretch those oil changes out, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're better off with regular oil changing at 3,000 miles. See, two, as oil ages, the viscosity starts to drop off, and that will increase oil consumption. So if she's changing every 3,000 miles with mobile one, that's great. If she's not and she thinks she can go longer, I would prefer to see you go to like regular mobile clean or mobile 7,500 or one of those and change it every 3,000 miles. I see. I see. You, you're okay. going to get better results and it's not going to burn as much oil because you're not going to get as much viscosity shear. Your additives are not going to fall out, and you're getting the dirt and the trash and the stuff that gums up your rings out of the engine. And make sure you're using a Nissan oil filter for yeah. it. Yeah, okay. the Nissan right. brand oil filter. Right. Stay away from everything else. Use the Nissan product, and you're going to find you're going to be much happier with that. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank you so much. We right, really appreciate that. very helpful information. Well, good deal. Well, thank Thanks you. for calling, thank man. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Got an old car burning all, car... Won't start. Won't start, won't, won't stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaking, squealing, shaking, smoking. Give call us a call, 499-9526. Take a quick little bake and be right back with more. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? Putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls? 499-9526. And we're going back to our phone lines with Jeannie. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I have a 95 Toyota okay. Camry. Yes, ma'am. And I am having brake problems. I've told my brake fluid is okay. Mm-hmm. But when I start off, my brake pedal will go all the way down to the floor. Okay. If I pump, then it enacts intermittently. Because it'll come up when you pump it? Yeah. But it'll slowly sink back to the floor? Yes, but if I continue pumping, then yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's okay. Yeah, I understand. But let me ask you this, Jeannie. Next time you get in the car, put your foot on the pedal and just kind of hold. Don't mash really hard and not really light, but just kind of moderate pressure on it. Uh-huh. And just hold it there and see if it slowly sinks all the way down to the floor. Hold moderate pressure on it and see if it will slowly sink out under your foot and go real low. 
It probably will, and if that's the case, it's a part called the master cylinder. It's probably bypassing internally, and what happens, the, your brake system on that car has two sides. One side of it works the left front wheel and the right rear wheel, and one works the right front and left rear. And fluid can leak between the two sides of the system. It doesn't leak out, but it leaks between the two sides. When it does, the pedal drop to the floor. When you pump it, all you're doing is you're just taking another scoop of fluid and pushing it back in so it comes back up. So that is almost always the case when it slowly drops down like that. Now, it will not drop down. Then we're looking at something else like a pedal travel issue. That can be something like a stuck caliper slide can cause that. It's binding, and so it's taking more travel, and so the pedal moves further. When you pump it, it comes back up. It could even be something like the rear brakes. Something's come apart back there, like a spring or something's come apart. It's nothing that can't be fixed and diagnosed relatively easily. So you just need to get someone, let them check it. The way we go about that at Agco, we've got a device that can block off each wheel individually, and we would block off the four wheels and see if the pedal comes up. If it comes up rock hard, then we know it's the master cylinder and all that's okay. Then we start releasing them one at a time, and when you release it, it drops off. You know that's the wheel causing the problem. So then it's just a matter of checking the one wheel to find out what's wrong. But you can do that for me, right? Absolutely, oh, yes, yes, ma'am. ma'am. Mm-hmm. Can you give me your address? Yes, ma'am. It's 11410 Corsi Boulevard. And if you just call Elaine Monday morning, she can tell you how to get there and when we can do it and all that. How are you listed, please? The number is 291-6900. 9-0-0. Thank you so much. Okay, yes, Jenny. Thank you, ma'am. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Blake online. Good morning, Blake. Hey, how are y'all doing? Doing, doing great. great. I have a 2005 Toyota Highlander with 161,000 miles. Wow, okay. And I keep up with my maintenance pretty good and everything, mm-hmm. but it's time for me to have one of those major maintenance done. The last time that I took my car in for one of those to the dealer, Mm -hmm. they ended up telling me I needed all kind of new stuff on my car, Uh and they wanted to charge me right about $3,000. Wow, okay. And I don't want to get stuck doing that again because suddenly when my husband told him we weren't going to pay $3,000, some of the stuff was, oh, well, maybe you don't need that. (laughs) That right there should have told you you were in the wrong place. That's right. Right. Uh, I'm I'm just wondering, on the major maintenance stuff, is all that... It has to be done at the exact mileage. Well, see, every car, Blake, is just like every person. They're going to be different. And what you need is someone who can go in, test the car, and tell you the things you need based on inspection rather than just, okay, it's got this many miles, so it needs this, 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 this. For instance, let's say coolant. We can go in. We can check the specific gravity. We can check the pH. And if the specific gravity is low or the pH is off, then we know it needs to be changed. We don't just automatically say, well, it needs to be done this many miles. Same thing would say a belt, like an outside accessory belt. We would measure the depth of the grooves. If it is too deep, we know it needs to be changed. If it doesn't, then we don't have to change it. But what you need is someone who can check and test and tell you what needs doing and what doesn't need doing. And that kind of person is going to explain this sort of thing to you just like I just did. This needs changing because of this. This needs changing because of this. If you don't do this, 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 this is going to occur. So what you need to do is just find a different shop that you can communicate with a little better. A lot of times what they do is what they call a shotgun approach. In other words, let's change this, 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 this. Apparently, you must drive an awful lot to have that many miles on a car that young. 
And that is perfect. That is perfect operating conditions. So a lot of the things that would be indicated by the mileage you got are not really going to apply because it's real easy miles. You're obviously going long distances at a time, right. which is real easy on the car. See, under those driving conditions, I would not be at all surprised to see you get 300,000 miles out of that car fairly easily. Oh, yeah. I've had, I've had nothing but Toyotas my entire life, and the three that I've had, mm-hmm. I, when I've gotten rid of them, they've been right, right at about 300,000 miles. Correct. Right. And, you know, there are certain things that you have to do. For instance, the timing belt is due every 100,000 miles, on, and if you don't change it and it breaks, it's going to tear the engine up. So that's a no-brainer. you got to do that one. But other things can be checked. They can be tested for, and I don't believe in a blanket approach. You know, It's just like a lot of folks, when they get to be a certain age, may have heart trouble. But right. you know, I'm 60 years old. My heart sounds as a, as a watch. You know, I just don't have that problem. So same thing with a car. Not every car is going to have the same problems. Not every car is going to need the same things. The car needs to be checked by a competent person, not just somebody who go down a checklist and tell you you need a bunch of stuff. Okay, yeah. When I went in, I've listened to y'all's show, mm-hmm. and my, my husband listens to y'all, and what, a bunch of the stuff on there was flush this, flush yeah. that. Well, when you see the word flush, you know pretty much what's happening. Exactly. So, yeah. So, all right, great. So, <laughs> all right. I need some major maintenance. I could bring it to y'all. Yes, y'all. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We great. can do that or any good competent shop. In my opinion, you're going to do way better off at an independent shop than you would at a dealership. Sort of like you would get a better meal at a restaurant than you are necessarily at a hotel. Exactly. All righty. Great. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Blake. Yes, Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 499-9526. A number if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines. Oh, not that way we're not. We're going back to our phone line. Let's see. We've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. I have a 2004 Dodge Ram okay. with the 5.7 liter in it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And it's making a ticking sound. I can't tell if it's an exhaust leak or what, mm-hmm. but it's when I give it gas. Let me ask you this, Paul. The way you can generally isolate, say, a valve noise and an exhaust leak, because they sound almost identical, but an exhaust leak will almost always be worse when the engine is cold and will get better when it gets hot. A valve noise will generally be better when the engine's cold and get worse as the engine gets hot. Well, the thing is, is, is usually, you know, on my commute to work, by the time I get to work, I really can't tell. Yeah, so it's getting better it's as the right. engine's getting hot. I think so. So I would lean more towards an exhaust leak because normally, see, as engines get hotter, oil thins out. And as oil thins out, valve noises are going to get pronounced. So I would be leaning more towards an exhaust noise because as exhaust manifolds heat up, the cracks tend to close up and the warpage tends to close up, and so they tend to get quieter as they get hotter. One easy thing you can do is look down the manifold. There's going to be a bolt on each side of the each tube. Mm-hmm. There should be an 8, I believe, or maybe 10. You just have to look and see. But look, make sure they're all there because I've seen them. The manifold will actually heat up, and when it does, it expands, and it'll break the heads off the bolts. Mm-hmm. When it cools down, it doesn't go back to the original position, and it starts blowing the gaskets out. It could be a fairly easy fix. Could be. Yeah. Just depending on where it's leaking. What you're going to need to do, Greg, those are kind of hard to see. You're going to probably need to get a little small inspection mirror and just kind of look it all over real good. Look down under it. If it's got a metal shield on the outside, that makes it even harder. But what you're looking for, generally when you have an exhaust leak, you're going to see traces of a white powdery substance coming out, and that's the carbon that's burned and come out of the leak. It'll leave a white powdery residue around the leak. One other thing that you can do is get something like a length of heater hose and use it like a stethoscope. Put it to your ear, take the other end, and go along that manifold and see if you can really hear. That isolates the other noise out of the background. 
So that's another way to find it. Last way that you can do it is wet your hand and just kind of pass your hand under and around the manifold without touching it, of course. And when you wet your hand, it makes it a little more sensitive to temperature. When you get closer, you're going to feel that hot gas coming out. If you feel anything like that, then you're going to know you're in the right spot. Oh, okay. And another thing it's doing is when I first start it and I put it in reverse, it takes a minute for it to actually kick in reverse. Yes, sir. That's called delayed engagement, Paul. The most common reason for that is that the fluid is low on it. And the reason the fluid is low is it's a small leak somewhere. Check the fluid level and don't just pull the stick out and check it. Go to my website, type in automatic transmission fluid, and there's a whole article telling you how to check transmission fluid. That may sound simplistic, but 90% of people who check transmission fluid do not check it right. We get cars in every day that say, I checked the fluid, it's fine, it's delaying, and we check it, it's two quarts low. It's difficult to check it properly. So read that article. Check the fluid. If it's low, go ahead and add. It takes ATF plus 4. Put the ATF plus 4. That'll probably cure that problem. Now, if it is truly full and that doesn't help it, then you're talking about some seals that are getting hard in the transmission. It's an internal transmission problem, but the good news is you may be able to drive it another five years just like it is. Just give it some time. Let it go ahead and do its thing. Don't force it. And you can live with delayed engagement a pretty good while before it actually okay. takes transmission out. Okay. And as far as it being an exhaust leak, is that something if I brought to you guys, it, it could take a day or two? Or Yeah, it just depends on what it is, Paul. It can be real small. It can be something like just a bolt head's broke off where you can just replace the bolt and put a gasket. Or it can be a warped or cracked manifold, which means the manifold has to be replaced, which, of course, is more expensive. But it's nothing that can't be fixed one way or the other. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Paul. Thanks for calling, man. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And we've got Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing great, doing sir. Great. great, great. Hey, I've got an 05 Nissan Titan, and I recently just changed the oil in it last week. Mm -hmm. And driving home from the football game last night, I noticed my gauge is pegged out on high now. And I'm just trying to get an idea of what you guys think. Tony, that is almost always when a gauge pegs on high, the, the sender unit has gone bad. Uh, that actually makes the signal. It's a little pressure transducer. It reads the oil pressure, and then it produces an electrical signal that moves an electrical gauge up and down. Correct. Almost always. Now, if that's not the case, then you've got a big problem. But I wouldn't get real alarmed. The way that we do that is we would first go in, remove the sender unit, screw a mechanical gauge into the port, Okay. and physically read the oil pressure. If the oil pressure is good, then you just change the sending unit if you're home free. Right. But you don't want to skip that step because let's say you turn a main bearing. Well, now it's not lubricating half the engine, so the oil pressure is going to go real high because it's not doing its job, which is real detrimental. Probably not. I'd say it's a very small chance that's happened, but you do need to at least verify that. I wouldn't just put a sending unit in it. Some of those gauges, when you take the wire off, the sending unit, the gauge will actually peg over one way or the other. Mm -hmm. It's a possibility the wire also broke. That is true, or got knocked or off got or knocked something off. like that. So right. you might just look and see if the wire is still plugged on. Some of them, when you unplug it, they go to zero. Some of them go all the way up. Right. Where is this sending unit located? On Man, this? I would be lying to you. I just don't know. I'd if have you to go to service send, data. Yeah, send me an email. I'll look it up for you in service data and tell you. Okay. All righty. Very good. I oh, appreciate it. Okay, Tony. Right, thanks, thanks for sir. calling, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we've got Greg from Marl Paul. Good morning, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, yes sir. sir. I have a 2012 Colorado Chevrolet truck. Okay. I got about... 
6,500 miles on it. And when I bought it new, I noticed that sometimes with my steering, I can feel it in my hands a little knock. Yes, sir. Uh, the first day I bought the truck, I, I noticed it, but I, I didn't think anything about it. Yes, sir. And after a month or so, it began to get a little more often and a little yes, more often. And I contacted the dealer, and they said, oh, it's, it's not, don't worry about it. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. They, it, it, sure, they, they don't want to work on it. <laughs> yeah, if, if their truck didn't worry about it. Greg, I can tell you what that is. That is what they call the intermediate steering shaft, and it's binding. It's got a slip joint on that shaft and the reason that shaft is there is because the steering column is bolted to the body and the steering box is bolted to the frame and whenever you're rolling those two move relative to each other they're sitting on rubber cushions right so this shaft allows it to move in and out like a slip shaft and what happens is that gm's had a tremendous amount of trouble with that shaft binding when it binds it pops it's like a especially when you're rolling real slow like in a parking lot yeah. maybe with a little bit of pressure on it, they're going right. to need to replace the intermediate steering shaft. And that's under warranty, so you just need to hold their feet to the fire. Tell them, look, I don't want to hear this don't worry about it stuff. I paid for a vehicle that not one made noise. They've had that trouble since 1988, and they still got it in 2012. They're still using the same shaft. Yeah, so it's Ooh. ridiculous. You need to just go back and hold their feet to the fire and make them fix that. Thank you. All right, Greg. Hey, hold on for just a little bit, and producer can get your name and your address, and I'll send you an Agco T-shirt. All righty. Well, good deal. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. Uh -huh. Thank you. All right. We got to take one more quick little break. David, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling, punch a whale, compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship. I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, Louis. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have a 2000 Honda Accord uh -huh. with a little VTEC four-cylinder engine. Yes, sir. And about a week ago... It's getting real hard to start in the morning. Okay. Okay, now, when I go to start it, engine will spin over. When I finally get it to catch, I've almost got to put the accelerator to the floor. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when it starts, it's just like you got a choke closed on. I mean, spitting and sputtering. Yeah, David, that but, sounds an awful lot like a weak fuel pump. I would probably have someone do a fuel pressure test on that car. Uh -huh. Because as a pump gets weak, there's a check valve in it. And what happens overnight, all the fuel drains back from the fuel rail back to the pump. Now, when yep. you go to start in the morning, it's got to push it all the way back to the front of the car, so it's going to crank, 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 crank. 
And when it starts, it's not going to have adequate fuel pressure. So it's going to run, but it's not going to run very good. Like you said, it's going to feel like it's choking down. It's going to pop because it's leaning out. And to kind of sort of verify this, David, what you can do is tomorrow morning when you go out there to start it, instead of just starting it, turn the key to on Mm-hmm. and wait about three or four seconds, turn it off, wait about three or four seconds, do that again about five or six times, yeah. and then hit it and see if it starts right up. I see that but, way of the, the, the pump will, Right, pump it primes. Each up, time you turn the key on, it'll run for about a second. Now, you leave it on, it won't keep running. It only runs for about a second, just enough to energize the rail. But if you do that five or six times and it starts right up and runs normal, then that's going to be your problem. Now, once I get it started in the morning, though, mm-hmm. once I sit there and clean it out and, you know, race it a little bit, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll run fine the rest of the day. Yes, sir. And uh, it's just and it takes overnight for it to drain down, most likely. Now, there is another possibility. That I think on that engine is a part called a cold start injector. And what it does, it acts sort of like a choke. It's an additional squirt of gas when the car is cold. Mm-hmm. And without looking at service data, I can't tell you much more about it, except that I know some of them do have that. And that That's part something. could be malfunctioning as well. Now, I'll tell you something else is doing, Lewis. Mm-hmm. After I start it and drive it during the day, it's uh-huh. fine. But when I go to cut it off, if it sits about 15 to 30 minutes and uh-huh. I go to restart it, it, uh-huh. it does the same thing. Yeah, and it see, sounds like a fuel issue. Yeah, some kind of a fuel issue. And see if that cold start injector is not working, and let's say it's also dribbling down. Uh-huh. It could be dribbling some fuel blood in the engine after a hot soak. That's called a hard start after a hot soak. And also make it hard to start because it's going to lower your fuel pressure if it leaks down. Or it could be just the injectors themselves could be dribbling down. And if it loses fuel pressure, then it is going to make it hard to start. And also, is going to, in the short term, it's going to flood the engine, which is going to make it hard to start. And eventually, it'll blow it on out and go ahead and run. But that sounds like a fuel-type issue. What they would do is do a fuel pressure test. And if the fuel pressure is dropping off, the next thing is do is go back to the tank, block the lines off at the tank. And if it continues to drop off, then you know the fuel injectors are leaking down. I see. Okay. All righty. Is there a way, Lewis, to take those injectors out and see if they're leaking? In other words, be pretty take- difficult because once you take them out, there's no way to test them unless you've got an injector flow bench because you don't have any way to connect a fuel line to it or any of that sort of thing. So generally, they're checked in the car. And like I said, the way you check them is energize fuel rail, block off the fuel pump, cut the key off and see if the pressure drops. Because you're checking the pressure at the fuel rail anyway. That's right. And see, once you take the injector out, unless you've got a flow bench where you can plug them in, hook fuel to them and all that, you're just looking at an injector and you know, how do you tell? Now, what about if I were to take the fuel rail off and leave the injectors plugged into it and then turn the key on and have some pressure on there? Would that show if, if one of them was leaking? Possibly? No, no, no. If you take the fuel rail, gas is going to skeet all over the place. That's where the fuel's uh-huh. coming up from. Okay. You know, you'd have to have, in order to test the injectors, other than the method that I just told you, you'd have yes. to have a flow bench, which is designed to test injectors. And what it does, like a, it, it simulates an engine, but it's got a right, it's adapter, got a, hooks a fuel line to it, and then pulls the injector. It's got a box that you put the injectors in and everything. Right. So it doesn't About a $5,000 tool made to do that. Cause a problem. <laughs> Sounds like I might better come see you. Pretty simple test with a fuel pressure gauge. It's not going to take a lot of time to test. Yeah, I used to get overhaul a carburetor, but I tell you, I don't know anything about this fuel. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's go to my website. There's an article. Just type in fuel injector, and there's an article that explains all how they work and all that. It might give you a little more insight on it. Well, I certainly appreciate your help. Bro. Okay, Dave. Y'all Thanks. have a good day. Thanks, Thank sir. you. Bye-bye. 499-9526. number of you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Jack's been patiently holding. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Good yes, morning. I have a 5.3 V8 Chevy engine. Yes, sir. And went on your website. Mm-hmm. It says change out the manifold. Make sure you change the cushions on the intake manifold. Absolutely, bolt. yes, uh-huh. sir. Mm-hmm. Where do you get the cushions at? Well, you can't buy the cushions. You have to buy bolts, and you buy them from a Chevrolet dealer. In fact, there's a part number on there that'll give you where the, you get them. 
I went and asked and talked to them at the Chevy dealer, and they said they that, were 20 bucks a piece. Well, at 20 bucks for a box of five, and you're going to need two boxes. Oh, well, I see. 20 bucks for a box of box five. Box of five, yes, sir. Yeah, you told me they were 20 bucks a piece. No, no, no. And, and most of the dealers act like they don't know what you're talking about. So exactly apparently, to me, they never change them. I got one dealer I buy them through. He says, You're the only guy in town buys them. I said, Well, I'm the only guy in town fixing cars in because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, Well, they never use them in the shop. I said, Well, okay. That's why I redo so many of these jobs. Do you know what size boats those are on a 5.3? It's a little, about an 8 millimeter, something like that. But it's, it's a very special boat. You can't right. use anything else. It's, it's got a shoulder on it. Shoulders. Designed especially yeah. specifically for that application. Yeah, you, you've got to replace those bolts. And, and they're, the, they're going to come with new cushions. The new seal, what do they look like? They're the going to be a gasket. teal. Gasket, I mean. Yeah, it'll be a teal-colored gasket. If you buy it from Chevrolet, if you buy it from Victor Renz or one of those, it'll just be an updated gasket. Okay. And they had all oh, the yellow ones or orange ones? Yeah, and the orange is the sure. old style right. from Chevrolet. If it's got the orange or red one, that is the old style. You don't want to use that. Uh-huh. The new style will be teal in color. Now, I don't know. If you go aftermarket, you don't know what you're getting. So oh, Okay. Well, I sure do appreciate Alrighty. it. All right. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we're going in line with George. Good morning, George. I think we've lost George. We're going to the phone lines with Austin. Good morning, Austin. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I've got a 99 Ford F-250 that my 17-year-old is driving. Okay. And last night, I think his heater core busted. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Turned on the heater for the first time and called me, had to go rescue him on the red and put water in it three or four times to get him back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, that a, is that a pretty easy job? Or is That's that a very, very ones? hard job, Austin, and it's also a symptom of a much bigger problem. Mm. When a heater core goes out on a Ford – you've got electrolysis going on in the system, and it just ate the heater core because that's the smallest part. Right. But you can go in there and change it, and I will absolutely guarantee you three to six months you can go back and change it again. And it's okay. a huge job. You've got to take the whole dash out. What wow. I would recommend you do is get that to a professional who knows what he's talking about, let him treat it for the electrolysis, get that under control, and then change the heater core. And what you can do in the interim is just – bypass the heater core and there's hook of fitting across where it just runs around the heater core until you get the electrolysis under control because if you change it you're going to be doing it again is that something the the bypassing it is that through the just take the two hoses off the heater core and hook them together with a connector it'll be you can you can get a connector to hook them together right it'll be a five eighths by three quarter connector and you just take the two hoses off hook them together with two clamps and pretty simple to do you just got to give your son a blanket And that's uh, under the truck or in the, da- in the That'll be under, under the hood. hood. Under the hood. Yes, All sir. Right. Good deal. Well, look, I appreciate your help. Okay, man. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Boy, I think we're getting close to I'm telling you. Close to out of time. I think we've got a few <laughs> more minutes. If you call real quick and make it real quick, we could probably answer one more question maybe. That's one of those things that I see all the time where people will go in and they will pay to pull the dash out of a Ford truck and change that heater core, which is a huge job. Oh, yeah. And only to have to come back six months later and do it all over again because they haven't fixed the problem that's right you might as well have put wing nuts on it because you're going back that's right and it's one of those things you will not be able to live with this you will not be able to live with it because it is not only going to eat the heater core up it's going to eat the radiator up it's going to eat the head gaskets up that's it you can bypass the heater core and if you don't take care of it it's going to find the next thing it can get to you've got electrolysis going on it will literally eat the entire cooling system away and total your truck so it's something you got to jump right on we're going to try to catch one more herb can you make it real quick yeah, that guy with that board diesel, that, yes. those, they got some kind of little plastic doohickey holes, them hoses on that thing, so he's going. A little quick connect. 
Yeah, I, I never could figure it out. I just put <laughs> a little torch on it and heat it, got it hot and pulled it off. Yeah, no, it's got a special little tool that reaches in there and disconnects it. But what on that one, I think on the other end of the hose, it's actually got a regular fitting. You can right. take a loose and put a piece of hose across it or something. But, yeah, it does use a quick connect on a lot of those. I just want to tell him he might run into something he didn't want to get a hold to up in there. Yeah, and <laughs> you might just bring it to a shop and have them do it for you. And you don't want to cut those hoses because they're kind of expensive. So Right, yeah. All right, Herb. Thanks, thanks for calling, sir. man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, boy, I tell you, we have just squandered another perfectly good hour. That's it. Time and to throw us out. That's right. Unfortunately, we won't be here next week, but you can always go to our website and send me an email. I'll get an answer back to you. That's right. You can hit that website. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. That's right. That's the way you do that, and I will definitely get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Cut me a little bit of slack. I am on vacation, but uh, <laughs> you, will get your, you will get an answer back to you. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning in the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends, go to iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, give us a written rating. We didn't get any last week, so I'm a little... oh Got my feelings hurt by that, but hey, that's just the way it goes sometimes, you know? <laughs> sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. That's it. A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.